You are listening to the sermon podcast of Nielsville Presbyterian Church, a Christ-centered church in Germantown, Maryland. To learn more about Nielsville, visit us online at nielsville.org. He will hold me fast. What a great promise because of Christ. He will hold us fast. And isn't that what we're about? As we think about our history at Nielsville, as we think about where we're headed, as we prepare ourselves for a new pastor in the next few months, one thing doesn't change. Christ will hold us fast. And we worship him because he does hold us fast. This next three weeks, we'll do our three-part series on, on Own the Vision. No matter what changes, right, for us, we are committed to our mission statement of Christ-centered worship, of gospel-empowered discipleship, and grace-oriented service and outreach. One has said this, a good church is a hospital for the hurting, a place where our old wounds can heal and our lives can be rebuilt. It is a place of encouragement where God's word is taught and upheld as a standard of conduct for all, but also where the grace of God is employed in a way that protects us all from shame. We all need a healthy church family to help us in the long-term process of spiritual growth and outreach. Even Melissa, as she led us in worship, reminded us multiple times, if, did you hear the word that she used multiple times, that we are a family. We're a family together to come together to worship Christ. So regardless of the format we use, worship for the Christian must involve heartfelt passion for the Lord. It is Jesus himself who draws us together as a family and leads us in our worship. As the word of God is preached, it is also Jesus who speaks through the pastor's words, meeting the needs of his people and accomplishing his kingdom purposes. So this morning, we will focus on Christ-centered worship. God has created us to worship him. So if you're able, I'm asking you to stand with me again and let us read this psalm together passionately with our whole selves. Let us read together. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and sharp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Please be seated. Father, we read this psalm and we ask that as we are under the teaching of your word, even this morning, that you would continue to draw us into a deeper praise of you personally, but as well as corporately. Do your work of grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We have been in the all summer in in the Psalms. And we have seen 
examples of the variety of psalms, right? The psalms of lament, psalms of wisdom, psalms of thanksgiving, royal psalms that talk about the Messiah, and, the, and then the psalms of praise. I don't know if you know this, the psalms are also known as the Psalter, and there's five books that represent the Psalters. Psalters. Psalm 1 to 41 is book 1, Psalm 42 to 72 is book 2, Psalm 73 to 89 is book 3, book 4 is Psalm 90 to 106, and book 5 is Psalm 107 to 150. Why am I mentioning this? What's interesting, after each of the ends of the books, they end in praise. They end in doxology. Regardless if it's a, a song of lament section, regardless if it's a song of thanksgiving or a song of wisdom, they end in praise. Listen to Psalm 41, the end of book one. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. The end of book two in Psalm 72, it says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed, blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. At the end of book three, Psalm 89 says, Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. And then the end of book four, Psalm 106 says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Even this Psalm 150 ends, ends the entire psalm, Psalter, with a praise. In fact, in these six verses, the word praise or hallelujah is mentioned 13 times. The psalmist is emphasizing the importance of worship, of singing and proclaiming hallelujah to our Lord. So let us answer some questions here, if that is the case. We want to look at the where of our Christ-centered worship, the why of our Christ-centered worship, the how of our Christ-centered worship, and the who of our Christ-centered worship. Look at verse 1, and we get that answer, the where of Christ-centered worship. What does it say? Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Another translation that's often used is praise God in his holiness, which is a good translation, but, include, but if we include the matching line in his mighty heavens, it suggests that holiness has its secondary meaning of sanctuary. What this psalm is getting at is that, that God is calling us as worshipers here on earth and meeting him at his, his chosen place. But it's also to his heavenly host to mingle their praises with ours. Earth and heaven come together as one into his sanctuary, into his presence to offer him praise, to offer him glory, to offer him honor, to offer him the hallelujahs that he deserves. See, he has chosen for us this place for us to come together as a family, as brothers and sisters of Christ, as sons and daughters of the living God, to worship, to sing our hallelujahs. And not only are we here present, but the angels are joining us in our worship. Do you understand that? That as we are coming singing praises to God, angels in heaven are joining us. That's humbling. That's amazing that we're not alone in our worship of God. That is the where of our worship, Christ-centered worship. It's in the God's 
presence in his sanctuary here this morning. But let's answer the second question, the why of Christ-centered worship. Verse 2, it says, Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. We worship God. We, we want to worship God. How? Why? Because of his mighty deeds and his excellent greatness. What does he mean by mighty deeds? Well, this is referring to all the saving acts throughout biblical history for God's people of bringing his self to us and saving us, rescuing us, redeeming us. And we know that that has culminated in the person of Jesus Christ. So we come every Sunday as we worship together with the angels to declare the mighty saving acts of our God. Even in our call to worship today, even in our confession of sin and our assurance of pardon, even in our confession of faith, it reminds us of why we're here. We're here to acknowledge and rejoice because Christ has saved us through his death, through his resurrection, that we have now died to sin, now live unto righteousness because of Christ's resurrected work. Because Christ ascended, we praise him, we sing hallelujah because he, he is our king and he intercedes for us. He presents our case before the Father, reminding the Father that we belong to him, that he delights in us. We praise him for all his saving work, that we are sinners, yet he came to save us, to bring us into an eternal, forever relationship with himself. We celebrate, we rejoice, we sing hallelujahs, because of God's saving work in Jesus Christ. But we're also to praise him because of his excellent greatness. Here, the psalmist is focusing on God's character. It's similar to what we talked about last week, about the Lord of glory. We praise this God for he is excellent in all his ways. He's holy other, beyond reproach, blameless, eternal, infinite, all-knowing, all-powerful, always faithful, always good, always just, always merciful, always compassionate, always righteous. And we, we come and we were reminded of his excellence and it draws us to sing hallelujah for his saving work but for his great, excellent character. That is why we come every Sunday morning to worship corporately together and why we go to him individually and worship him. Or as we worship him in our small groups. We come together to celebrate and declare and sing hallelujah to his saving works. And to his excellent greatness. That is the why we want to offer Christ-centered worship. Let's turn to the how. How are we to worship Christ? How are we to worship God in a Christ-centered way? Look at verses 3 and 5. What does it say? Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. These verses give us a hint, gives us clues, more than hints, gives us clues on how the how of Christ-centered worship. In fact, it helps us to keep Christ central. These verses demonstrate what is appropriate 
in our worship of God with the assistance of many different kinds of instruments. We have the organ, we have the piano, we have the drums, we have voices, our instruments, right? We have choir, we have praise team. Why do we do that? All of these are instruments that we use to enhance our worship, to help us to, to engage with Christ. But what happens often, if, if, I would, if I would ask maybe 10 of you to come with me and, and you give me your ideas of what worship should look like, I bet I would get many different responses. We sing too many hymns, or we don't sing many choruses. We should sing more choruses. Why do we do this? Why do we do that, right? It's, that's been an age-old problem for the church throughout, these worship wars, right? Do contemporary, traditional choruses or hymns. But we see in this passage, the Bible is very clear, right? It gives us very good clues about what we're to do in our worship. In fact, most of the Bible's teaching on worship is actually found in the Old Testament. And, one, and Psalm 150 gives us that base. We know that new covenant worship is somewhat different. Why? Because because of Christ, Old Testament worship would also often bring bulls and, and goats to be sacrificed to the tabernacle. But because of Christ, because he is that sacrificial lamb, we no longer offer those in our worship. Thankfully, right? Because we'd be very messy, <laughs> to say the least. But because of Christ, though, we still can learn from the Old Testament, from this psalm, what worship is to be about. Even what? Ephesians talks about singing psalms and hymns and, and spiritual songs to one another. So we see in Psalm 150 what is appropriate, how to praise the Lord with nearly every instrument that has ever been invented. Even those instruments not mentioned here in this passage, passage are only new forms we see that can be developed. God never absolutely forbids particular instruments in our worship. So let's, let's use all the instruments that God has given us, and even new instruments, to declare the glory and the greatness of Jesus in his work on our behalf. Also, there is the power of song, right? When we worship, we are intentional here at this church that our choruses and our hymns, as we blend those together, are declaring what we believe about God and about his work. Doesn't singing songs help us to form our theology? For it's the very words that are sung that we most eagerly remember years into the future. A couple months ago, we sung, Blessed be the Lord, God Almighty, bless, bless his name, no, was that, bless his name forever, right? It was that, that hymn, that, that song that we sang. And I bet many of you left, I, some people told me that I remember that song throughout the week, to bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. Do you remember that? Okay, it's not that long ago, right? <laughs> we don't have that much short-term memory loss, I hope. But, what, you know, as we're faced with temptation, right, when we're fa faced with difficulties, uh, as we remember hymns or choruses, it helps us, right, to live out our life, to live out the gospel in, in meaningful ways. Right, that's why we have the, the choir to help us to sing. That's why we have um, special music to help us to be reminded of this God that is, 
that is worthy to be praised. We use many different skills to help us to engage in worship. See, the importance of music in shaping, in shaping our worldview and theology means that we are never to sing songs without carefully considering the meaning of the lyrics. When we choose songs, they are purposeful because we want people to experience Christ in your midst. We want you to know the gospel more deeply. We want you to understand the delight that the Lord has for you by being his sons and daughters. Our worship is to draw us to passionately worship him. I think we so often read that, 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 that verses 3 to 5 and we neglect the word dance. I know that's controversial, right? But I love when I see people when we're, I'm up here singing unto the Lord, dancing unto the Lord. Guys, that's okay. And if you're uncomfortable with it, which sometimes I can be, I need to get over it. You need to get over it. God invites us to dance unto the Lord. It's not only in this psalm. There's other psalms that talks about dancing unto the Lord. In corporate worship, not just in your private worship, but in your corporate worship. It's okay, brothers and sisters in Christ, to worship with all of ourselves, body and mind, unto the Lord. See, our passion is to lift up the name of Christ. Our music, our songs, all that we do in our worship should leave us with a better taste of Jesus Christ, right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Our worship should help us to taste and see that the Lord God is good. That's what we're about here at this church. We now turn our attention to verse 6, the who of Christ-centered worship. It says, let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Verse 6 calls upon all creatures to praise the Lord. The book of the Psalms is meant not only for the worship of Old Testament believers, but its hymns are to be sung by all people to the one true God. In fact, let every breath confirm the sum that the glorious variety of all of God's creation humans, angels, and even animals to any breath to sing praises to our God. I can't imagine my dog Blaze praising the Lord. But somehow it says it includes everything that has breath. Praise the Lord. <laughs> John Calvin, the 16th century reformer, comments that this, this, the psalmist looked forward to a day when its hymns which were once used only in Israel, would be heard the world over, and that this has happened in Christ. Calvin says this, In this prediction, we have been joined in the same symphony, symphony with the, the God's people of old, that we may worship God with constant sacrifices of praise until being gathered into the kingdom of heaven. We sing with elect angels a eternal hallelujah. All of creation. Even other psalms talks about how trees will, you know, shout for joy, right? All of creation. Our goal, we're being prepared to sing praises to our God who is glorious, who is a God who saves us in Christ. 
Dr. Chapel, who was president of the seminary that I attended, in his book, Christ-Centered Worship, says this. The liturgies of the church through the ages and the consistent message of Scripture combine to reveal a pattern of corporate worship that is both historical and helpful for our time, right? What, is, what we know about the past, which is celebrate, right, and helpful for our time. Christ's worship is a representation of the gospel, right? You should be hearing the gospel in all that we do, in our call to worship, in our prayers, right, in our, in our, in our confession of sin and confession of faith, in our singing, right? It should, it should be a representation of the gospel. And then he says, by our worship, we extol and embrace and share the story of the progress of the gospel in our lives. We begin with adoration so that all, that all will recognize the greatness and goodness of God. In the light of his glory, we also recognize our sin and confess our need of his grace. The assurance of his pardon produces thanksgiving. And with sincere thanksgiving, we also become aware that all we have is from him and that we depend on his goodness for every precious in our lives, everything precious in our lives. Thus, we are compelled to seek him in prayer for our needs and his kingdom's advance. His loving intercession makes us desire to walk with him and further his purposes so our hearts are open to his instruction and long to commune with him and those he loves. This progress of the gospel in our lives is the cause of our worship and the natural course of it. And we conclude a service of such worship with a charge and benediction because the progress of the gospel is God's benediction on our lives. Now, he doesn't know about this church, but we fulfilled that pretty well, what we do here. That's our purpose. That's what we want you guys to be experienced. We want you to be different as you come. We want the gospel to mean more to you as a result of this of coming this morning. We want you to, to appreciate the saving work of God, the, the God of excellence. We want you to be so changed and so excited and so passionate as you leave this, this morning and every Sunday morning that you will radiate that his glory and his grace to a world who desperately needs to hear it and experience it. Oh, worshipers, people who have been brought with the, the blood of Christ, may you come Sundays expecting God to bring his story into your life, to, to renew you and to redeem you and to strengthen you and to change you as you, as you focus on the greatness in the saving work of God. May that be so. And we're going to have a time to, to celebrate the Lord's Supper that reminds us of that grace. But before we do that, let me pray. Oh, glorious God, the God of greatness, the God who delights to save a people like us, people who are ungrateful, people who often forget about you, people who often don't even restructure our lives, and yet you delight to pursue us, you delight to bring us, you delight to remind us of your greatness and of your saving work. And so, Father, I pray that every time we come together here, as we enter your sanctuary, as we're singing praises with the angels, that, Lord, that, that we are lifting up high Christ. And as we are in all that we do, 
in the way that we play our instruments, in the way that we sing and engage in our worship, that we would be changed, that we would be mindful, that we would be determined to more and more fix our eyes on you, who is the author and perfecter of our faith.